Nicholas, uh, you're the only man alive who can still say functionalism with a straight face. Uh, this was what the architect Philip Johnson once remarked to Nicholas Pepsner. Pepsner throughout his life was unquestionably one of the most eminent standard bearers for the modernist functionalism. However, he never gave modernist functionalist architecture absolute priority and did not always rate it highly. While Pepsner described St. Catherine's College, Oxford, designed by Arne Jacobsen as a perfect piece of architecture, he disparaged the thoroughly modernist design of the Illinois Institute of Technology as a demonstration of architectural egotism in which Mies van der Lohe's unrelenting pursuit of modernist functional details was undertaken primarily to satisfy his own self-esteem. This shows how selective Pepsner was in his architectural historical apology for functionalism and modernism. By modernist functionalist architecture, Pepsner never meant geometrical, undecorated glass and island structures. Instead, what he meant was humane and anonymous buildings and groups of buildings, which solely serve the everyday needs of ordinary people and are poles apart from architecture, which was undertaken by architects as self-glorifying projects or expressive of the ideologies and spiritualities of a powerful few. Before and during World War II, Pevsner had seen that, in Third Reich, the triteness of monumental, seemingly immutable-looking buildings, mainly designed in neoclassical style, had been elected solely to appeal to the masses. For Pevsner, they were all perfect visual proofs of the Eller in believing that the architecture, the architects are supposed to dedicate their work to the proper authorities or to show their social responsibility by following what the majority wants. In December 1941, Pepsner wrote a critical note on the Nazi architecture for the magazine The Architecture Review under the nom de plume of Peter F. L. Donner. The note, which Pepsner opens by quoting Dryden's words, all all of a piece throughout, the chase, thy chase had a beast in view, criticizes the Nazi architecture as being built merely for the defecation of militarism. Pepsner criticized not only buildings constructing Hitler's favorite neoclassical style, such as the whole dedicated to the memory of the great soldiers of the past in Berlin, but also Nazi architecture designed in the so-called modern style. For to Pepsner, they all shared a nasty combination of the pompous and the demo demonstratively taciturn, the brutal and the romantic, the clued in obtaining effects, and the subtle in using them for impressing the people, which we have learned to connect with Nazi mentality. Writing of the whole of the great soldiers, Pevsner says, everything is overdone. There are no manners, no tact, no delicacy. Instead, enormous size and space, immense scale, grand and massive structure, and ostentatious designs were emphasized, all for impressing the masses. Pevsner quotes from Hitler's own address given on January 22, 1938 at the opening of the first national exhibition of architecture and crafts in Munich. Quote, this exhibition represents the beginning of a new era. For the first time since the building of our cathedrals, we have seen here a truly great architecture, not an architecture using itself up in the service of petty everyday commissions and needs, but an architecture reaching out far beyond everyday needs, unquote. According to Pevsner, in this address, Hitler was thinking of buildings for the purpose of representation, elected on a large scale. 
Under the Nazi regime, said Spetsner, architecture was meant to be and considered an effective means of propaganda, brainwashing the naive into taking inordinate pride in their nation, race, and what their own race could achieve. Pepster maintained that every feature of the Nazi design, that is to say the mad scale, the enormity, the neoclassical overview of symbolism was all badges to achieve an easy appeal with the masses and hide the beast in view. While a number of specimens of spectacular representational architecture were built in Berlin, Munich, Nuremberg, and many other cities, the Nazi had no intention of building quiet, humane, anonymous architecture, which would serve specific purposes for the everyday needs of ordinary citizens. Housing for the common people in particular has been monstrously neglected ever since Hitler came into power. No more than 10 years prior to writing this article, however, Pepsner expressed a totally different view of national socialism in anticipation of what it could bring to ordinary people's lives. Interestingly, Pevsner seemed initially totally unaware at the time of the potential destructive power of fascism and held his essentially positive view of national socialism until 1935. While the theologian Ellen Strelch and others had already, by the early 1920s, expressed their serious concerns over the fact that anti-Semitism was becoming inextricably linked with the campaigns of both conservatives and nationalists in Germany, Pevsner, still in his early 30s, in the early 1930s, was much more optimistic, if not naive, in thinking that the National Socialist regime would be short and that life in Germany would be soon somehow returned to normal, invigorated and cleansed by the right-wing interlude, but no longer anti-Semitic, and most importantly, it would be culturally progressive and modernist. He had been very much caught up at the time with the over-optimistic idea that national socialism might be able to foster good, cheap, quiet, anonymous, yet humane modernist functionalist architecture, which serves the everyday needs of ordinary people. In the Middle Ages, the people who had designed the cathedrals remained anonymous and were content to be workmen working for a cause greater than their own fame. Pevsner had set his hopes upon the revitalization of such medievalistic values in post-World War I social reformation in Germany. The reality, however, turned out to be utterly different than what he had hoped for. Pevsner's optimism was shattered, and his hopes were destroyed, and he soon realized that under the anti-Semitic fascist regime, architecture had come to be treated as a mere tool employed to blind the eyes of the aesthetically naive and ethically lost in order to invoke national and racial pride. Pevsner himself, having been based in Britain after 1933, was able to escape being sent to a concentration camp. But he was soon to lose his mother, who had remained in Germany. She committed suicide in February 1942 in Leipzig at age of 65 out of fear of her imminent transfer to a concentration camp. Pevsner, Having been ostracized both academically and personally by the Nazis, and realizing how wrong he had been about national socialism, came to see his own architectural historical emphasis upon quiet, humane, and anonymous buildings and living communities as a way to resist fascism and fascist ideas of architecture and the environment. Existing from day to day at close quarters with death and destruction during the war, Pevsner's insistence on the 
aesthetic value of an architectural environment serving the everyday needs of ordinary people was a demonstration of a calm, quiet, yet indomitable spirit, indispensable in helping one who had endured and survived war. According to Pevsna, a historian must always be aware of contemporary developments in society and must be aware of contemporary needs. Galvanized by the bustling social conditions of the 1930s and 40s, Pevsner came naturally to his assertion that the historian can no longer shut himself off from the contemporary needs. This included art historians. Pevsner maintains that the essential role of the art historian is to command the knowledge of the historical relations, and he is that through his experience of past events and thought processes, able to mobilize his spirit for the ideals of the present. In the days just prior to and during World War II, what ordinary people needed most were the calm, indomitable determination to survive the war, and at the same time, the power to resist the demands of authoritarianism. Pevsner felt his role as an art historian was to actively oppose his views of architecture and its importance to those of the kind a fascist dictator envisioned, and to make those views widely known. He felt it was his moral duty in contemporary society to father the dissemination of architecture which embodied Sir Winston Churchill's famous dictum, stay calm and carry on. In 1942, Pevsner wrote a commemorative article for the Architecture Review about Frank Pick, the first chief executive of the London Passenger Transport Board, who had died in November 1941. Pick had revealed his refined taste in design throughout London by means of building modern functional underground stations and electing other quiet and unostentatious facility for daily use. Pevsner's intention in this article was to draw his reader's attention to those quietly and anonymously existing masterpieces around them in their daily lives. In this article, Pevsner specifically emphasized Pick's motivation as a top-ranked civil servant, a motivation which we find expressed in Pick's own words. Quote, if we are to achieve our hopes and forge the armor of light, everyone will have to work for the community in some way or other for nothing. What excuse is there for relieving anyone of his share of tidying up his street, protecting his park or public garden, watching against abuse amongst those in authority, doing something to beautify and adorn his surroundings, which all may share, unquote. These words were quoted by Pevsner from one of Pick's pamphlets, Passes to Peace, published by Lautrich in 1941, the year Pick died. These words written during increasingly turbulent days are in essence Pevsner's own urgent message, that of a man who personally witnessed and experienced not passes to peace, but passes to ruin, the rise of fascism and the outbreak of war. As for Pevsner's own words, for instance, he had already stated in 1937, Quote, personally, I have no doubt that beauty, both of nature and of things made by man, beauty surrounding us in the streets, in the places where we work and where we live, beauty not only as a passing enjoyment of something outside our ordinary lives, but expressing itself in all the implements of everyday use, helps to make our lives fuller, happier, and more intense, unquote. In the very same year that he wrote the article on Frank Pick, Pevsner published a series of critical notes 
for the architecture review, again using the same pen name, Peter F. L. Donner. The series of 11 articles was entitled Treasure Hunt and was published monthly except for April. The aim of this, these articles was to put across the ideas expressed in Pick's quotation I have just mentioned. Intended for an audience of anonymous urban residents and workaday passers-by, the series was essentially an educational attempt to turn ordinary people's attention to the aesthetic merits of their everyday environment and foster outright resistance to a war which was destroying lives and ruining Europe's cultural inheritance. Pepsner intended to reintroduce the public in the stress and tension of wartime to the charming, all but forgotten aesthetic merits and visual pleasures of the quotidian world around them. The marvelous art and architecture which had been created for the most part by anonymous architects and designers who had worked for the community in some way or other for nothing. For Pepsner, the calm realm of the visual pleasures to be found in the everyday environment was thoroughly detached from the relentless impulse to fight, public feelings of anger, fear and fury, and a widely felt sense of despair. The treasure hunt articles were essentially a series of architectural historical attempts to stress the need for moments of peace and calm in everyday life, in everyday environments, and the importance of the resolve to stay calm and carry on, no matter what the circumstances. After World War II, Pevsny continued to affirm the value of quiet, humane architecture designed by anonymous people working for a cause greater than their own fame. In his first past World War II publication, The Leaves of Southwell, published in 1945, Pevsner writes of the nobility of the spirit of anonymity which had existed in the Middle Ages. In 1972, when Pepsner was invited to deliver Raoul Wallenberg lecture at the University of Michigan under the title of Architecture as a Humane Art, it was only natural for him to return to and reclaim the ideology that he had been so keen to propagate during wartime, the significance of quietness, humanity, and anonymity in architecture in opposition to the loudness and violence of architecture for the purpose of representation. The Raoul Wallenberg Lecture Series had just been instituted late in the previous year in order to commemorate the famed anti-Nazi activist Raoul Gustav Wallenberg, a University of Michigan graduate in architecture whose own resistance to the Nazis had saved thousands of Jewish people in Budapest. In this lecture, Pevsner insisted on the importance of the architect's awareness that what he designs, unless it is strictly intended for a private client, has the possibility of being used by a number of people who are all anonymous. And therefore, the architect's core social responsibility is to create a building which is quiet, humane, and anonymous enough fully to serve the needs of a number of unknown people, not in the service of the architect's own fame, wealth, and power, nor that of the dictatorial rulers. Pepsner believed that architecture built for the purpose of representation could never truly be a great architecture or treasure of its time. He insisted that everyday works of quiet, humane, and even anonymous design deserve our serious attention, and calls upon the readers to take part in protecting these works and guard against the abuse of art and architecture by those in power, who are capable of destroying our treasures and tranquility of peace. Pevsner exalted what Hitler denigrated, petty everyday commissions designed to serve daily needs and maintain peace in everyday life. 
people's in interest in their own community and environment was, for Pevsner, the fundamental basis for sound society. Just as the 18th century painter William Hoggers had depicted in one of his didactic prints, Beer Street, a sound and peaceful society consisting of anonymous people who walk through the community in some way or other for nothing, tidying up their neighborhoods, protecting and caring for their old houses. Architectural design can be a tool or a weapon for either good or evil. It can destroy a sound society. It is perfectly capable of fostering a spirit of racial solidarity. It can increase extremism in nationalists who are aesthetically and ethically naive. Pevsner knew through his own first-hand experience how architecture can be abused and misused. Thus, as an art historian who had been buffeted by two world wars, Pevsner came to appeal to his contemporaries through his various wartime writings. To stay calm and look around, protect your daily living environment, truly appreciate those works of architecture designed by anonymous people in the past for a cause greater than their own fame, racial pride, or political propaganda and carry on your quiet, yet indomitable, and humane everyday lives. Despite all the horrors of the world wars and the rise of fascism in the 1930s, Pemsner must never have doubted, as the Enlightenment sociologist Adam Ferguson has put it in 1767, that the virtues of man have shown most during their struggles, not after the attainment of their ends. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ari, and um, audience. Oh.